Welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigard. Sam. Leon. I've got a reason for asking you this. Elaborate. Now, let's not go into too much detail. No, we won't be. But in the old days, in the old days, yes. you know, uh, when you were a strapping 20-year-older, yes. when did you used to go to meet young ladies? Oh, where did I go to meet ladies? Gee, the landscape's changed so dramatically over the years. But I recall vividly... The, the nightclub in Myrtleford? Uh, no, I was in Melbourne then, Leon. <laughs> I used to go to dances. Well, I thought you'd assume the, there was uh, no nightclub in Myrtleford. Remember a dance called Opus? Opus, and yes. In those days, I remember vividly, and also the one down at Delbert Park, one of the great dance uh, venues. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you'd walk around, all the girls would be sitting in chairs all around. Yes. And then we'd go over and do a lap of honour and have a quick peep. And think, ooh, she's okay, but I don't know. And you gauge her by a mode of attire and the fact that, ooh, she looks too moral for me. Uh, perhaps I might move on. And, you know, we made all these selections. So and you were just I, after immoral girls, were you? No, to the contrary. But you gauge them. You do, you do a bit yes, of a cultural yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah, in yeah. mind. You're trying to sum up <clears throat> your And then I, went, then I graduated to the big stuff. I went to... Whiskey a go go. Then I went to uh, the Matthew Flynn. What was the one in uh, in Derek? I went. Well, then I became Silvers. Uh, yeah. You know, we became. We went to the nightclubs. The nightclubs are a different venue because, and the caliber of girls seem to be uh, not so much up market. They seem to be a bit more flighty, which, uh, if you know what I'm alluding to, and the chance of having a uh, a, a, a a short-term relationship was very high. So Hawthorne Town Hall with Frankie Davison wouldn't be your go? No, it wasn't my go. It wasn't my go, no. But they were wonderful days. Dorothy Baker? Dorothy Baker, I remember. Gaynor Bunning? No, I remember Vera Lynn. (laughs) 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 Well, how about we had one in... uh, Sir Kilda Road, where nurses' home, they had a dance every. Uh, every Opus night. was in uh, St. Kilda, just off St Kilda Road. This was a number, and I can't. Uh, how I can't remember the number. Two four two Tirac Road <clears throat> was a good little meat spot, and then there was. Uh, oh God, what was the other? I forget them now. But we used to do the whole circuit. It was fantastic. Well, our 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 guest today. Yes. He was he is a professional, putting people together, man. And and he still is. He still is. How good is he? He was fantastic. We're I, talking about Greg Evans and, of course, best known, I guess, to the public at large for Perfect Match. Greg, good morning to you. Yeah, g'day, Leon. Good morning, Sam. Well, what were you doing to attract the girls in the old days? Oh, dear me. Uh, I'm just, just, I was just listening there and imagining, um, uh, picturising Sam Kekovich corralling all these women at Opus. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, remember Opus, Gregory? You did remember Opus? Good looking dude, Greg. Good looking yeah, dude. Yeah, no, I, I, I missed all those dances. Uh, oh, Greg, uh, please. He's in the back seat of a car park, where you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the drive-in. We used to spend a few nights in cars in those days. Yeah, no tells me how the question. Yeah. No, look, the the, um, the easiest way was perfect match. You just go to go to uh, Cullen Perfect Match and the screen would slide back and there would be some beautiful um, person on the other side of the screen and the television station used to pay to send you away for a romantic weekend somewhere on the Gold Coast or overseas and come back and tell us how much fun you had and how many times you had it. Now, so- let's, uh, let, let's get to perfect match later because... The Greg Evans story is very interesting. Uh, by the way, that uh, that dance in Secular Road was four three one. Four three one. 
Uh, I don't know what's there now, but that was the big place. Um, Greg, uh, you the started... retirement re- village. You start- <laughs> Same people. <laughs> Greg, Greg, you... Uh, I'll move on. I'm telling you, you're on your game today. <laughs> you started You started in uh, country radio. Yeah. Well, Leon, I was always... All I ever wanted to do was be a, a radio announcer. I just wanted to work on the wireless. I used to talk into saucepans under the bedclothes when I was a kid. Um, and uh, I used to look and admire people like Stan Rofe and... Yes, uh, the you know, great disc jockeys of, uh, of the time. And I wanted to be like them. Um, and so... 3XY was a very big rock and roll radio station. 3AK had where no wrinklies fly. Um, and uh, one day, the the uh, I was at St Pete's College in Mentone as a young bloke, and um, uh, the mobile studio came to a fate that we had at school. It was a fate worse than death, but that's another story. And I got to look into this mobile caravan and see a real live disc jockey. I think it could have been Laurie Bennett. Um, and surrounded by turntables and spinning discs. And I thought, this is what I want to do for a living. But I was too young. I was only 12 or 13. So, um, uh, you know, that's what started it all. And I used to, I set my bedroom up. I got a couple of turntables and I used to put on a bit of a radio show in my bedroom. Uh, and I ran it down an extension cord to the lounge room, made mum and dad listen to it. And I just used to talk crap and, uh, you know, I'd read commercials that I wrote from the newspaper and play the records and and that's how it all started for me. When I And then when I was 18, I went to work at Maya Melbourne selling lady shoes. Can you imagine that? And uh, I used to just love it when a sale came on and I got a microphone and I'd, Jesus, I'd give time calls and weather checks uh, uh, when the sale was on. <laughs> Tell you what, you have no trouble selling them today. And that's uh, and then and then and then I went down to three CS Colac. I got my first job. I was eighteen, and I uh, went down there, and then on to three CV Maryborough, and then two KA Katoomba, and then eventually I got back to three XY, which is where I wanted to be. I was twenty two, and met every rock star that came through Australia for seven or eight years, and just sneakers, blue jeans, and rock and roll. It was a great life. Now you mentioned Maryborough. I'll ask uh, Sam a question. John Nichols and. His brother Don. And? Uh, Ron Branton. Max Oppie. And Max Oppie. So, uh, producer of good football. Gregory, why were you so nomadic in those days? You know, why were you... Uh well, Sam, you had to um, you had to just go where you, where you could to you know progress up the ladder of, of success and try and get a bit better. And and two KA in Katoomba was was uh, linked to two SM in Sydney, which was a sister station of three XY in Melbourne. How old were you um, then, though? How old were you? I was I, I wasn't twenty one. I was just you know nineteen or twenty years old. And mum and dad, where were they? They were always in Melbourne, born and, and bred in Melbourne. Um, well, my dad was born in. Bonnie Doon and um, and he came to Melbourne Sam and he was a tram driver uh, and uh, mum was a conductor so I think she rang his bell one too many times but anyway they got <laughs> married and met me so I've always lived in Melbourne Fantastic because I meant to say uh, that's that's a big thing to take on to leave the you know, the, the, the family home and uh, embark on a pilgrimage as far away as that in those days Where is Katoomba by the way? I can't, I, I'm struggling with Katoomba Canberra, yeah, up in the hills? Yeah, yeah, up there in the Blue Mountains. Oh, it, look, it yeah. certainly was, Sam, and to, to be that young, um, you know, I, I stayed in a boarding house down at Colac, 
uh, with Mrs. Kerr. She used to take in the announcers. And, and guess who was in the room next to me was uh, very young Sandy Roberts. Ah. Sandy was also at, at 3CS in Colac, and we all shared Audrey Kerr's boarding house. Well, well, good take luck, it back. Uh, good morning to Sandy, because yeah. he's, uh, he had a, 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 a bit of a hard operation, uh, and he's coming good. He's in good shape. He's a member of? Bang Sang. A member of our club. Greg, can I just take you back to a mutual friend of ours, which I know also influenced you a lot, was uh, the great 3AK disc jockey, Lionel York. Oh, yes. Now, New York, he was a terrific bloke. I, I mean, I used to grow up listening to him on the uh, Astor transistor radio with an earplug in my ear. But he, <laughs> lovely voice, beautiful smile. Yeah, yeah great, wasn't he? Remember and, where uh, he lived? Remember where he lived down the bottom of Turak Road? He had a house right near the railway line. <laughs> Do you remember that? Was, no, I don't remember it, but... Uh, well, that's in the really, early 70s when he was really big. I remember going there. God, he, he yeah. used to attract a big following. Yes. Um, Don Lunn used to live in Bo Morris. And it's yeah. funny, whenever we found out where the disc jockey's houses were, I used to ride my push bike past and look at them because, <laughs> because I, want, I wanted to be like him, you know. And uh, anyway, Yorkie went over to Western Australia. He did. And... and became a marriage celebrant and I guess in a way that really influenced me uh, to what I'm doing now um, there was a, a young lady that I knew and her dad had passed away she said Greg would you walk me down the aisle and so I did um, in place of a, a deceased dad and Yorkie was the celebrant and when I looked at this bloke I thought gee you know that radio background that lovely voice and he looked immaculate I thought it's a nice thing to do, being a marriage celebrant. So, um, but, but it was years later that, that I ended up becoming a marriage celebrant. Yeah, uh, can, we, can we go back to uh, XY? We'll come back to the uh, marriage thing shortly, uh, Greg. But yeah. you mentioned all the big stars used to come down, and uh, I yeah. remember those days myself. But, uh, you know, what stands out for you? What, 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 what people really knocked your socks off? Well, Joe Cocker was, was an interesting character and also Eric Clapton. But um, but I remember Joe Cocker <clears throat> came, he was with Mad Dogs and Englishmen and he must have had an entourage of, of 120 people following him around. And, you know, there was some sex, dope and rock and roll and uh, I was called into 3XY on a Sunday to interview him. Came through the bathroom window? Head. He was totally <laughs> off his face, Joe. And, he, and all he did was I'd say, G'day, Joe, now listen, what's it like being in, uh, in Melbourne? And he just went... <laughs> and that was it. And I said, and Joe, uh, you know, what can we expect to see at the concert tonight? And he went, <laughs> and uh, the producer in my headphones is going, Greg, this is hopeless. We'll just have to stop. We can't use any of it. So uh, that was that. And uh, I don't know. Remember him on, hey, Greg, remember him on stage when he sang that song? She come in through the bathroom window. He'd, be, he'd, he'd almost collapse. He'd almost fall over. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> he'd be right. Blind. That's right. Well, that was that was that same era. And um, anyway, ten years later, uh, or maybe fifteen, I was doing some uncut interviews for uh, a company, and they said um, the first person we'd like you to interview in detail is Joe Cocker. And I said, right, okay, this will be good. And so I. Um, 
they'd had it all set up beautifully in an inner city uh, studio and uh, Joe came in now by the stage he'd cleaned up and he was wearing a little cardigan and uh, he was well groomed and I said Joe I said you might not remember me but we met 10 years ago at 3XY he said Greg I don't even remember being in Australia <laughs> um, he said uh, he said, I said what happened he said well he said life was just when big blur of booze and drugs and he said and when the money ran out he said they all left and they left me in the gutter and he said I was absolutely trashed and a hand came down and and, and rescued me and I thought hey, we're going to go into the God story here this will be the hand and I said whose hand was that he said it was that woman outside the studio there who's now my wife he said she picked me up and took me up to the Ozark Mountains and we got snowed in and for six months she cleaned me up of the drugs and booze and then took me back to Los Angeles and she banged on studio doors and said give Joe another chance he's okay and he said and I got to play session guitar on a couple of them Todd Run and a couple of other people's albums and the word got around that Joe's back in town and the next thing I had a hit with you can leave your hat on and life That's started it. again for Joe Cocker mm. great story. story now leaving that aside because you always were in, a, in the early days renowned as a jock you know uh, a disc jockey but of course yes. you transitioned into uh, you know Talkback uh, you and I worked together for a couple of years on Talkback Radio but more well, important in the early days you went to Triple M you worked with Sam Newman and uh, Dermot Brereton, you did a lot of... So how did that transition take a place? Yeah, From Joe well, Cocker to um, the MCG? Quite, quite right. Um, uh, you know, as a disc jockey, I was working at music radio stations. 3XY was a, a rock and roll music station and Gold FM where I worked with... Uh, uh, I did the breakfast program there with Dermot Brereton and uh, Tony Jones. Um, and, and we actually, you know, for an FM radio station, we, we got to number one. We couldn't knock off 3AW. Uh, Ross Stevenson and Dean Banks at the time were, were clearly number one on talkback radio. Um, and, uh, but uh, before Gold FM, I got this phone call. I was out in the desert. I was somewhere up near Alice Springs, and it was Steve Price, the program director of 3AW, and he said, I want you to come and work with a bloke called Sam Newman. And I said, well, hang on a minute. I'm, I've never met this guy and I read his work in the paper and he's, he, he can cut people down and I, I don't know that I'd be able to work with him. He said, no, no, he's not like that. He said, you, you'll, you'll like him. He said, we've tried him with others and, and nothing's worked. But he said, Greg, I, I think, you know, with your radio experience, you can make Sam work on, the, on radio. Okay. So I said, I agreed to do it. I got into 3AW five o'clock in the morning the, our first I'd never met Sam Newman and you know quarter to six he's not there and there's 15 minutes of news and I said I said to, to a bloke called Beers he was a panel operator he now is the he's CEO the of the joint and I said Beers what do I do and, and Beers said to me Greg just talk for 15 minutes up to the news I said talk for 15 minutes what just he said just hang on stand by you're on and for 15 minutes, I just had to rabbit on about crap. And, and that's how I learned about talkback radio. You just <laughs> keep talking. And, uh, and eventually, Sam Newman walked in and he said, now, Greg, what do we do? And I said, well, Jesus, what do you want to do? He said, I don't know. You're the great man. You just... And we started talking, Sam and I, and we talked for four years. Um, we were the B team on 3AW and uh, we were never much good but apparently the ratings stayed up um, when Ross went on holidays and, 
and the, and the manager of the joint, Tony Bell, liked what we did, and so that's why that association happened. Um, 3AK came along. It was 3AK where you and I did breakfast, wasn't it, Sam? It was 3AK, It yeah. was terrific. I loved those days, yeah. and I really, really enjoyed working with you. Um, and uh, for, for it's, a, it's a damn shame that that radio station fell onto tough times uh, financially because that, otherwise we might have still been going, mate. It really but, worked, uh, didn't it? It was a terrific... But, but uh, they, were, they were terrific Reggie, yeah. days, Leon, as you would know. Uh, you know, right through the program, he'd be on his phone ringing someone and, um, <laughs> and he'd say, quick, put him on, put him on. Never really knew what... It wasn't a great no deal idea planning, but it always seemed to come out well. You're on Sport and Life. Our guest today is uh, Greg Evans, and a uh, uh, great radio man, and we're going to get on the television in a minute. We are, but before we do, we just got to clean, clean our throats a little bit. Uh, just want to take the cork out. Yeah, we just take it. Leon and I imbibe in a uh, brief libation. It's a uh, Mitchelton Wines. I'm, you know, you enjoy a good red, uh, Gregory. I know that. Uh, a great friend of ours, Jerry Ryan, who's got Mitchelton Wines. Uh, allows us uh, a couple of sips a, a program uh, and we also send out a couple of bottles to our guest every week now Leon, dispenses, Leon dispenses those we have about 78 guests waiting for their order at the moment uh, you'll be the 79th but the Mitchelton print and the Mitchelton uh, stock is outstanding so you'll be in receipt of some very shortly, my dear friends. Now, how about the uh, move from radio, which is very rich, by the way, Greg, and very varied, which is terrific, uh, into the big, the big time television? How did that happen? <clears throat> well, Leon, um, I'd won some awards as the most popular disc jockey in Victoria. They were TV Week King of Pop Awards, and uh, I won six of these in a row. And and so when I won the third one... There was only um, six too, wasn't there? Sorry? There was only six? There was only six, yeah. You won a lot of them. I got got the first one, the inaugural most popular disc jockey in Victoria, then then, uh, six of them, and then they abolished the award, so... Well, it got a bit boring. No one else had a chance. But when I won the third one, I was invited onto the Mike Walsh show. He had a live midday show on Channel 9. Big. Oh, yeah. A a lot of people in those days started on radio. Graham Kennedy started on radio. Bert Newton started on radio. And so did Mike Walsh. And so, uh, you know, it was almost a natural transition to go from radio to television. Um, Some people made it and some people didn't. But that's what he got me on the show to talk about radio and television and um, and that was the first time I think I was in a television studio with a live audience and I thought gee this is a bit of all right you can you know it's like radio with the added dimension of vision so it was just a little little bit better um, and Mike Walsh asked me to be a reporter on that show they wanted some more Melbourne content and I said what am I going to do and he said I don't know do anything you like but just bring us Melbourne and so I did what Sam Newman did on the footy show, I did box pops of people in the street. And I did that for four years um, on the Mike Walsh show. And then eventually, uh, Mike said, it's time for you to get a show of your own. So I did this show called Together Tonight for the 10 Network with Kerry Armstrong. And um, it was up against Sale of the Century uh, and uh, on Channel 9. And so we got whipped. And so I quickly learned that if you if you have a bad show on television, it gets axed after about six months. And there I was. Um, my first television show came and went, 
you know, rooster one day, feather duster the next. And so I went back to radio, uh, to 3MP. The great Norm Spencer was running that uh, radio station then. I think Graham Kennedy and Mike Wells had shares in it. But um, it was down at Frankston. And uh, and I did the morning program there, a combination of music and uh, talk. And, and then I got this phone call one day from Grundy's and they said, we've got this show called Perfect Match. Uh, we'd like to talk to you about it. And I said, oh, okay. So I flew to Sydney and um, and uh, the next thing you know, I was the host of, uh, of a television show of my own called Perfect Match. And uh, I, I resigned from, uh, from, from 3MP and wow, six months after that show started, uh, it was the most watched show on television, this funny little dating show at 5.30 where we used to match young people and send them away for naughty weekends, um, was uh, was outrating 60 Minutes. It was a beauty. And we had a lot of fun making it, Leon. We'll go back to that in a minute, but uh, just backtracking a bit, Norman Spencer was a giant uh, in the production of television, of course, and he was a guy, Sam, that put... When Kallax Television came in, he was the guy that put the yellow or suggested the yellow go into the old Fitzroy jumper. Was he? Because the, the old maroon and blue, it just come up as black. Oh, on the screen, so, yeah. So he put the yellow in, which, which made that colour. And the other bloke you mentioned, Mike uh, Walsh, uh, for Huge. people who don't remember, he was a superstar. And, it was an intriguing bloke. Like, what sort of a fellow was he? He, he owned theatres. He owned theatres. You don't see it as here, but did you know him well personally? Oh, yes, yes, very well personally. He was very talented, and um, I guess in those days, Mike would have been about 40 years old. I was only 25, so I used to really look up to him because, and he taught me about technique on television, you know, like when you stand up, leave your button undone over your jacket, and when you sit down, uh, uh, sorry, when you stand up, have your button done up, and when you sit in your chair, undo your button, otherwise it sort of crinks around your neck, and just little tricks like that, and uh, God, he was um, he was very, very good. That show was live at midday on Channel 9, and they had Jeff Harvey there as the, you know, and an orchestra, they had yes, singers, they had great interviews. One day, uh, Sammy, he... Um, uh, he said to me, Mike Walsh said to me, I'm going on holidays next week, I want you to compare the show. And I said, Jesus, I'm 23 years old and I, I'm, and you want me to host an, a live national television show? And I was terrified. Anyway, I, 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 I did it. I got his dressing room and they put a big star on the door and <laughs> there I am getting makeup on and this thing go, goes to air live at midday and half past 11 they're saying now Greg you know your first guest uh, you're interviewing a woman about the Laboya birth method and I've gone Jesus what's that a baby being born underwater and and, and then uh, and then we're going to be having a guest in talking about spina bifida and I said yes righto that's good we're right up with that. and then we've got a satellite interview with Joan Collins from um from Hollywood, yeah. oh, all this intake of information, and the next thing it's five, four, three, two, one, you're on. Bang, live around Australia. The Mike Walsh Show with guest host Greg Evans. God, Jesus. It uh, took the stuffing out of me, but I did it for, um, for three days. And, uh, 
you, you know, uh, in those days you were surrounded by some very uh, talented producers and, you know, people bringing all this information to you. And, and uh, Mike Walsh used to have all the questions uh, on a pad, like uh, the, the, the segment producer would do, and he always insisted on having the answers put after the questions in brackets. So he could read the question and he knew what you were going to answer before you'd even been asked it. Uh, that was one of his clever tricks. Uh, yes. but, a, but a terrific bloke and an entrepreneur, loved song and dance, and, and you're quite right, bought a series of picture theatres, one of them in Richmond uh, in the outskirts of Sydney, another one, I think, on Military Road in Sydney, and um, and, and then, you know, he, he purchased the famous Her Majesty's Theatre uh, in Melbourne, uh, which he still owns, and it's his pride and joy. Now, now uh, I might be wrong here, but was he a chemist originally? Yes, he was. Yes, he, he was. A, he was. Uh, he he uh, was a, a chemist. He was born in, uh, or, or he started off in Shepparton, um, in northeastern Victoria, and his first radio station was Three SR. Um, and uh, he was a chemist. You're quite right. Well done, Leon. Uh, Greg, uh, Match was such a success, huge success. We we grew up with Match. For five years, you dominated the ratings. Eighty four, eighty nine, I think it was. Uh, and then Blind Date. How did Blind Date evolve? Oh, that was really the same show repackaged, Sam. Yeah. Um, per- perfect match finished. And uh, anyway, about a year later, um, the... Uh, the sequel. The, 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 the network said, let's bring it back, but let's freshen it up a little bit and let's call it Blind Date. So it was basically the same format with a different name. Uh, amazing. You mentioned 3SR. Of course, you, you worked in Shepparton recently. On, on 3SR radio? Yeah, well, well I, w- I was very lucky. Gee, you guys have done your homework. Um, uh, my, I spoke to you there. Why would I do my homework? I rang you there. <laughs> and, um, and she said, oh, Greg, don't put me in a home. She was 90, 93, I think, at the time. And I said, no, Mum, I'll come up to Bonnie Doon and I'll, I'll live with you and I'll look after you. And um, and so I shifted to Bonnie Doon. I, you know, my family was still in Melbourne, of course, and I... And I shifted to Bonnie Doon to look after Mum. And when 3SR found out that I was pretty close to Shepherd, and they said, would you do our breakfast show? I said, jeez, I can't go from Bonnie Doon to Shepherd. And I'd hit 44 kangaroos and 10 wombats on that drive at 3 in the morning. They said, no, we'll build you a studio at your home. And um, the technician came across to Bonnie Doon, and fair dinkum, he had this magnificent studio in kit form and I said that's going straight to the pool room (laughs) (laughs) and that's where he put it in the pool room at Bonnie Dean and for four years I did a breakfast program out of that studio and I used to look after my mum and she'd be upstairs listening at 7.30 in the morning when we had the local news I just had enough time to race upstairs and cook a you know, a, a breakfast and take it in, and and she'd say, "Turn that radio down." She'd say, "Get that Jimmy Barnes off! He's a bloody screamer!" Get him off! <laughs> I said, "Mum, just eat your breakfast. I've got to get back downstairs." Now, is there tranquility up there? The yeah, the serenity, the serenity, serenity everywhere, <laughs> Leo. I got the void um, wrong. You know that house that was in the castle. Yeah. Um, well, uh, people have found out where it is. It's actually a B&B now, and you can rent that house out. You can spend the night in it. Oh, you're and, dreaming. Uh, and, and still on the veranda is the macrame and the mozzie. You're dreaming, summer. Greg. Hey? You're dreaming. They've got a set of jousting sticks in the window. There's, uh, there's a punching bag um, uh, that Eric Banner used to use in the movie hanging under the gum tree in the front yard. 
and there's a dog kennel there with red rocket written on it named Coco. Um, and, uh, and so people stop, the third income people stop every single day of the week to take pictures of oh, that It's an institution, why wouldn't you? One of the great programs. Oh, iconic. The that, iconic that, that, show. That show, yeah. Uh, what a wonderful crew they are. Hey, hey Greg. Uh, position, position, position. Today, uh, I understand you're a motorbike rider and yeah. have been for some years. Yeah, well, it's a cruiser. It's a big Honda Cruiser, a 1300cc, a bit yeah. like a Harley Davidson. Greg, um, Greg, can I interrupt you for a moment? When Leon yeah. wasn't fully aware when I first met, he thought you were a member of the Mongols. <laughs> one of those bikies. <laughs> so I had to clarify the fact that this is a big cruising bike and he's got a great love of the Australian outback and Australian yes. country. And thank on the weekend, he's uh, back to his... Sam for doing that for me. Leon, there is a big difference between a bikey and a biker. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, and, and I am of the latter uh, source. I'm a biker, not a bikey. He doesn't and like so being I've corrected never, very never often, I'm telling you. I've never done any of that. I just like travelling around the countryside on, on my motorbike. <laughs> now, that, uh, uh, your wife goes with you? Sometimes, but she doesn't enjoy it. So my daughter my daughter does, uh, Jodie, and, um, and when she was 18, she bought a cruiser as well. And so you'll often see us, you know, tootling along around Beechworth or Myrtleford or up that way, down, um, uh, Albury, Wodonga, and she'll be behind. And it's a beautiful thing. She looks better than me on the motorbike. And uh, you look in your rearview mirror and we've got helmets now that talk to each other. So uh, we can we can talk as we're riding along. And it's one of, one of the great joys of my life. And uh, <coughs> totally safe, of course. Well it, well, it is. I mean, you've got to get your licence and you've got to have all the right gear and you've got to know how to ride a motorbike. But, uh, uh, yeah, I've found it to be uh, perfectly safe. I don't speed or do any ridiculous things and, you know, um, I don't even really lean over on the pegs very much either. I, I try and keep fairly upright. So uh, so I'm a safe motorbike rider. Now, Greg, uh, you are, uh, you're the most puritanical soul I've ever come across. Now... Uh, <laughs> Just roughly, I know that you're you, you know you're a keen man on statistics. Of all the uh, marriages you've uh, you've uh, conducted, what are the percentage of relationships that have lasted, <laughs> and those that may have perhaps incurred a bit of undulation, if you know what I'm alluding to? <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't keep check on them, Sam. But um, I've married over eight hundred couples as a marriage celebrant. Good. And. And there was one lady that I married three times, um, and she was lovely. She was a police officer. So how'd you feel and, about uh, that? And, and no, so uh, she said, uh, "Greg, I, I want you to come and marry me." And I said, "Well, what does your fiance do?" She said, "Oh, he's a cop." And so um, that's all right. I, I married them, and about. One and a half years later, she rang up. She said, I need you again. I said, why? She said, oh, it only lasted four weeks. He was a prick. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's, that's no good. And um, so she said, well, would you marry him? I said, well, what does he do? Your next place? She said, he's a cop. And I said, oh, my God. So I married her a second time to another police officer. And two years later, I get another phone call from her. She said, I need you again. I said, what happened? She said, no, that He's work. a prick, too. She said, but I found a new bloke. I said, what does he do? She said, he's an accountant. And and, and I haven't heard from her since. So. Is her name Elizabeth Taylor? <laughs> so, now, now Greg, do you... Maybe there's something there. Cops shouldn't marry cops. I'm not sure. But uh, three times I married her and now... I'm sure she's very happy. What about the price list, Greg? Do you, uh, when you submit a pro fee, do you, 
is there a standard fee? Is it unionised that uh, that particular field, or are you just charging the same fee all the time, or is there guarantees that'll last? <laughs> or, I don't know how it works. <laughs> no, there's. Um Look, uh, the people who ask me to marry them, Sam, they want to have a little bit of fun at their wedding. Um, you, you have to be registered with the Attorney General, of course. It's quite a difficult field to get into. You've got to do a lot of studying and um, and work hard on the legal. Quite a lot of studying to say, I do, and you know, do I hereby oh. wed you? Uh, uh, do I what? I hereby wed thee, and you know you, you, you get. And forever hold your. Is anyone in this room got an objection to this marriage? Or forever hold your breath. Oh. That's all you do, and you read the vows. Yeah, How difficult no, is that? No, no, that doesn't happen anymore. No. What do you do? What's so special about that gig? Well, those words, you know, you've been watching too many Westerns, Sam, you know. If there's anybody here that objects to this marriage, speak now or forever. Hold, hold your breath. Peace. No, that, none of that happens anymore. Greg, oh, what happened? Greg, did you ever watch <laughs> the, the movie Four Weddings and a Funeral? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hugh Grant. Rowan Atkinson. Oh, Rowan Atkinson, yeah. And have you, have, have you made a slip-up like that at all? <laughs> no. No, not at all. No, I haven't, I must say. I... Um, I haven't incurred that, uh, uh, Leon, but um, uh, I'm just trying to think. Of, is there anything that ever went wrong at a wedding? Are there any, are there any two, Greg? Is there anyone that's probably on the, the final death knell realised he might have made, or he or she might have made a mistake? No, um, no. You hear stories of it, but um, yeah. but I've never never encountered it. But. Uh, there's a wonderful story, and I don't know whether it's an urban myth, but um, he he found out that she was having an affair with another bloke, and he let the marriage go all the way up to the wedding, and then right at the time when it was time to read the vows, that's when he produced uh, a, a picture, a photograph, Ooh. and said in front of all of the guests, this marriage will not go ahead because of what, uh, of what you've been doing. And... Uh, exposed her and then he just charged out of the uh, the chapel and he was never seen again and she was in tears and the father of the bride said well you know you better eat the food because I paid for it <laughs> the whole thing oh, they still stay back would, would, would have been a great reception oh yeah <laughs> and the honeymoon yeah, the honey- <laughs> and now to make a speech of the bride gra- oh my god oh, I've got a better story oh, than that great uh, uh, um, uh, the only other thing that, that I do recall was um, that happened at one of my weddings was uh the, the photographer took the bridal party away to a park in the big stretch limousine, you know, to have photos taken after the ceremony. The guests all went um, into the main hall to sit down for their meal. And the limousine with the whole bridal party in it had a crash. And they all ended up in hospital. So the bride and, and no, no one seriously hurt. But, uh, you know, there were some broken wrists and what have you. And the bride and groom never turned up back to their own reception. They were in, <laughs> they were in Knox Hospital. <laughs> so again, the father got up and said, well, eat the, eat the, eat the meal and piss off because they're not coming. <laughs> hey, Greg, uh, have you ever branched into funerals? Uh, that's a, fu- a serious question. I know Brian Martin uh, does funerals. I've done it with him. Yeah, you, how about that? No, Leon, I've, uh, I've, I haven't done a funeral. I, I don't think I'm the right guy to do a funeral. No, you I, haven't, um, I, I haven't got the right makeup or personality for a funeral I'd be too uh, emotional um, it, I'm often bewildered as to why marriage celebrants are also 
um, funeral celebrants. So I don't know why they go hand in hand. Um, but uh, I reckon if you do one properly, um, that's the way to do it. And uh, I've decided to concentrate on the marriages and leave the funerals to those people that are very good at it because it, it, it would require a skill, wouldn't it? Um, it oh, would be yeah. a very depressing oh, job, I would have thought. You're yeah. always surrounded by sad people. But, now, Greg, um, you're uh, an iconic Australian. We do thank you for your time. Uh, if there's one tip you'd like to give a potential jock or a radio person or a TV aspirant out there, what would it be? What would the Greg, Greg Evans tip be? Well, I, I just think that, uh, Sam, uh, people are very blessed if they know what they want to do at a young age. I'm, so, I'm sure you wanted to be a footballer when you were 12 or 13. It's pretty and, evident uh, in my skills. And, and so try and decide early on in your life what you want to do. And, uh, and if you do, um, you're very blessed because then you've got a, a direct path and you can, you can pursue your dreams. It's, I feel sorry for people who are, you know, in their late teens or early 20s and they still don't know what they really want to do. And that's, they're the ones that sort of bounce from one job to another to another. So my advice would be try and decide at as young an age as you can what you really, really want to do uh, as a career and pursue it. You're a star. Thanks for your time, pal. Uh, just one more question before you go. Yes. Thirty-seven years ago, you hosted the Logies. Yes. Who were the guests that year? Oh dear me! If you got a half an hour, one of them was Larry Hagman. Oh. J.R. Ewing in Dallas. My favourite show. Uh, uh, it's a it's a big story that one, but he 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 was he was horrible. He was he came out as J.R. Ewing. He played the role. Um, like he did in the TV show, he w- he was awful. He wouldn't do anything, and um, it uh, yeah, it was a tough thing to do. And and they said if he if he acts up, you know, when he, when he's presenting the logie, give him the army slouch hat that we've put down beside the lectern because uh, he collects hats. And so um, he he was horrible. He was giving me one word answers and. It was just very difficult. So I thought, right, well, to break this up a little bit, I'll give him this hat. So I said, Mr. Hagman, I said, I understand you collect hats. Yes, I collect hats. Well, we'd like to, uh, on behalf of everyone in Australia, give you this Army Anzac slouch hat. And he looked me in the eye and he said, what side does the turn up of the, of the hat go on? And I thought, oh, Jesus, what side does the turn up go on? And I, I said, I took a guess, I said, um, Oh, I think they were yelling out at me and, and the, the Channel 10 execs in the front row were yelling out, left, left, left. So I said, well, the turn-up goes on the left-hand side, Mr. Hackman. And he looked me in the eye and he said, your left or my left? And I thought, that's it. I'm just, this man is just impossible to deal with. <laughs> was, he, anyway, was he John Wayne? Was he a bit halfway? Question, do you know which side the turn-up goes on the Army Anzac hat? Plenty of stories in television and radio And uh, Greg Evans has been sharing them all with us today Thanks for your time and uh, wish you luck on your bike It's uh, it's been lovely talking to you Leon And it's been an absolute joy talking with you again Sam I love those days we did on the radio together with a passion So thank you You never say never Another opportunity may arise out of anywhere You never know Greg Our path may well cross again I hope so Thank you Sam See you mate You're a superstar Good on you. Bye-bye for now.